Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you this uh, afternoon and we praise you for your goodness and your graciousness. We praise you that you are a God who is worthy of worship, who is worthy of honor, who is able to protect us in the midst of storms and to empower us as your people to go out and see this world changed for your good and for your glory. Lord, as we continue to look at how your scriptures still teach us truth today, as we continue to submit ourselves to the fact that you are a loving, faithful Father who, who desires to do great things in this world for, for the sake of all people, I pray that we would trust you and that we would actively seek to be part of your great plan. We love you and we praise you and it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. My name is Pastor Daniel and it's at this point of our worship service where I have the the privilege to open up God's holy scriptures and to see how what God wrote down so many years ago through faithful people, how the truths still apply to us today. Our sermon series we started off for the summer is called Love Loud, and we started two weeks ago. The first service we, uh, the first sermon we saw that, that God has called us to live anointed. And that means that we're supposed to walk and to live according to the power of God's Holy Spirit living within us and anointing us like Jesus was baptized and anointed with the Holy Spirit of God. That same truth applies for us today. Last week we saw that God calls us to love the outcast. We saw that we are outcasts and God has shown love for us through Jesus Christ, becoming the ultimate outcast himself and going and enduring the shame of the cross. Because of the way God loves us, we see a powerful way that we can go out and love others with that same life-changing, self-sacrificing love. Today we're going to see in the scriptures where we, we see an ultimate truth that it's easy for us to forget. If you're paying attention to the news recently, you see there's a lot of unrest and a lot of war going on in the Middle East. It's not something new. In fact, it's been going on for centuries. And so when we look around and we see murders happening and we see wars happening, we see planes being shot down, domestic planes being shot down, we think, man, this world is really heading to hell. That there's no hope for this world. But that is not the truth that God teaches us. There is a God who has already defeated the enemy, and he has done that through Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So there is hope. There is hope for all people, and that hope is named Jesus. I spoke with a, a neighbor this week, and ironically, after speaking with him, spoke to a, a neighbor of a friend, and both of them made comments along this line. This world is just, is just lost. There's just no hope. There's just no no point. I, I, and my neighbor specifically said uh, um, he just found out I was a pastor, uh, which kind of shamed me a little bit. I thought, I thought he knew that already. And uh, we were talking, and I said, well, you know I'm a pastor, right? And he said, oh, no. I said, well, are you religious? And he said, no, I lost faith in religious a long time ago. And he started referencing the, the Middle East unrest and the things I've already alluded to. And it, it, it hurt my heart a little bit because I hate to see people lose hope, and I certainly hate to see People lose hope when 
we're putting our hope in the wrong place. If our hope is properly placed in Christ, then we will never lose hope. It doesn't matter what the world may bring, but we know that we have hope through what He has done. And so I want us to see today that the enemy is already defeated. And so look with me, if you will, in Mark, the Gospel of Mark. We're going to look in chapter 5. We expected some, some more kids from, from Vacation Bible School, or excuse me, I keep calling it that, Summer Blast, uh, which is a Bible school for kids during their summer vacation. But we, uh, we expected more kids here tonight. We're doing a special at the end of the service, and I, I jokingly talked about earlier, I said, what better story can you tell when you expect more kids than a story of a demon-possessed person? So that's what we're going to talk about today, okay? Does that sound exciting to you? Okay, a lot of you are really excited right now. Okay, well, let's look at this. Mark chapter 5, and let's see uh, what God has to say for us today. So it says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and change, chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when this man, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before Jesus. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure, that means to beg, I beg you by God, do not torment me. For Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out, and they entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what had happened, or what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion. He was sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And then they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might go with Jesus. I want to go with you, he said. And Jesus did not permit him. But he said, go. 
Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So what do we do with this story? Jesus was on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, and this area was a center of dispute. Then, and it still is a center of dispute for today. It was Syria's land for many, many years, and Israel took over the land in 1967 in a war. And when Jesus was there in his day, one thing was very clear. We're not sure as to why he went there, but there was one thing that was very clear at this time. This was not a Jewish land. These were not Jewish people that were living here. And we see many reasons for that. Number one is they were herding pigs. Now, as any good Jewish person knows, pigs are unclean, and so certainly they would not be hurting them. That's one of the, the first things you know as a Jewish person is that you are to stay clean and to follow God's ways, and pigs were certainly unclean. We also know that, that graveyards were another place that, were, that was unclean, and it was a source of contamination for Jews. If they had any contact with the dead, then they would become unclean. Now, this man here was about as unclean as you could get with all the pigs around and living in among the tombs. This area that Jesus was in was overrun by the Roman Empire. Imagine an empire coming in and taking over by force this land and how you would feel oppressed, powerless, that there is nothing you can do to stop them from taking over. So they crushed anyone who stood in the way. Now, many people then viewed the Roman Empire as the ultimate enemy, Satan incarnate, or Satan in the flesh, if you will. They viewed them this way. Some people even felt the grip of this oppression, not just externally by seeing the circumstances of having to live in this type of place, but they felt the grip internally, much like this man, who was under the grip of some force and some power that was outside of him, and it had come to control him from inside. It's been about 2,000 years since this event happened, and there isn't much insight that we have now, even today, as to what this demon possession looks like. But there are many people in today's world that are overwhelmed by fear, and that are overwhelmed by forces in a very similar way. This poor guy was overtaken by a power that was beyond his own doing. In one hand, this power had given him superhuman strength. On the other hand, this power had left him naked, alone, self-destructive. He was a wreck. Now, what Jesus did with this man was dramatic, but it was also symbolic. With the Roman oppression, there were many people who wanted to see this Roman Empire drown in the sea, if you will. Now back then, in that day, the sea was a place where monsters lived and came from. And so it was appropriate for them as to view the Roman Empire as a political power that was oppressing people, and they, they would be coming from the sea. And so they were unclean and they were evil, so the best place in their minds for the Roman Empire to go back to would be going back into the sea. So the, the climactic part of the story is this. What's going to happen when this man named Jesus, who is proclaiming the kingdom of God, 
What's going to happen when he comes face to face with this demon-possessed man who is a representation of this evil force that is taking over the world? What's going to happen when he sees this man who is obsessed and possessed by legions? Well, God's kingdom is this. God's kingdom is healing. God's kingdom is restoration of Israel and its restoration of the whole world. So if there are unclean spirits, if there are powers that are wrecking human lives, then the answer is simple. They must go into the sea. They must be dealt with. They must be put to death. It sounds simple, right? That's the end of the story. Jesus showed up, and He showed that He was the King, and He drowned them. But it's not quite that simple. It goes deeper than this. Remember the Gospel according to Mark tells us a big picture story. We're only in chapter 5 and there are 16 chapters of this Gospel. The climax of the Gospel is not Jesus riding in and saving this one guy and casting the demons into the sea through these pigs. But the true climax of the Gospel of Mark is the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate climax of God's message. Later in the Gospel, we're going to see that it's Jesus, not the demon-possessed man, but we're going to see that it's Jesus who is naked. We're going to see that it is Jesus who is isolated. We're going to see that it is Him who is outside among the tombs. We're going to see that it is Him that is yelling and screaming things that are incomprehensible as He endures the torture of the cross. We're going to see that this is how those demons are ultimately going to be dealt with. We're going to see that this is how God is going to bring true healing. We're going to see that Jesus came to share the plight of humans by becoming the outcast, by becoming the one who is the propitiation, the sacrifice for all of us. We're going to see that He is going to allow the enemy to do its worst, its worst to Him. We're going to see that instead of a legion of demons being sent into pigs, that Jesus will take the full force of evil upon Himself so that we can go free. The story shows here with the, the demon-possessed man, it shows, as, as other stories do, that underneath the physical battles we see, like physical battles, I can see what's going on out in the world. But underneath those, there are spiritual battles that are happening. And if we don't recognize this, and if we don't act accordingly, what we'll do is simply continue in a cycle of violence and counter-violence. We'll respond physically to physically, and we will never deal, deal with the true spiritual issues. But Mark sees the death of Jesus as the moment when all the earthly powers that we see are put in their place, that they're defeated. These forces that enslave people, they're rendered powerless because they did their worst to Jesus and it wasn't enough because He was resurrected from the dead. They did their worst. They killed Him. They put Him to death. But now He is back alive again and He is reigning in power. And guess what we get to do? As His followers, we get to live by the same power of the Holy Spirit that God gave to His Son. We get to walk with this same gospel-changing 
message. And we continue to preach His kingdom. And we continue to seek for His will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't mean that we won't face opposition. And it doesn't mean that we might even... uh, It doesn't mean that we won't lose our life even for our faith in Christ. But it does mean that our death, our, our enemy has been defeated. The Love Loud card that we have says this on it. It says, we believe that Jesus really died. Excuse me. We believe that He really lived first. We believe that He really lived, died, and came back to life about 2,000 years ago. We also believe that this should change the way we live today. If we really believe this happened, it should change the way we live today. And with that in mind, we want to love our neighbors, neighbors with such an extravagant love that you may even say it's loud. No pressure, no strings attached, just one simple truth. You are loved. The symbolic message of this scripture, the overarching message of this scripture, is this. The ultimate enemy, the ultimate enemy is defeated. There's nothing that can be done to you to take away the promise of God's resurrection. Is that good news? It is the best news that we can have. And it should change the way we live. But I don't want us to miss this point either. I don't want us to get the spiritual side of what God is teaching us here and and miss the practical implication of what the, the Scriptures teach us here individually. There is this individual man who is outside and he is possessed by these, these demons and he is in severe need and he is in great distress. And this man in this condition met Jesus and Jesus gave him healing and he freed him from the oppressive forces in his life. Jesus brought healing by defeating enemy on the, the enemy on the cross, but he will also defeat the enemy of, of oppression in your life, individually as well. It's not just corporately, but it's the individual battles that we go through. Jesus will bring victory to us. Whenever there is, or wherever there is pain in the world, which is everywhere, wherever there is pain in the world, every neighborhood needs the healing message of Jesus applied to it. We've been loving loud in the Woodside houses, doing small, practical ways to show God's love, picking up trash, doing some beautification projects, praying with people, being invited to barbecues. Uh, two of our residents, Winter and John, were invited to go to a barbecue because of the, the, the projects we're doing there. We're not doing it to be invited, but we're trying to show them that God loves them. This past week, just two days ago, I think, two days ago, Friday, there was a shooting right on the street where we've been picking up trash. It was in the Astoria Post, and I read the article, and there was a 50-year-old man and a 32-year-old man get into a dispute. One stabbed one and the other one shot the other. I got really angry when I read the first comment under the article. I wish maybe we didn't allow comments on a lot of articles. They commented and they said, well, what do you expect in the projects? I'll tell you what I expect. I expect that if the church 
changes the way we love people. I expect that if we truly understand that the enemy is defeated, I expect that if we truly let the gospel grasp us and say, you know what, even if the world throws the worst at me and kills me, I am still alive in Christ and still have the promise of the resurrection, I expect different things to happen in the Woodside Houses. I expect different things to happen in my neighborhood. And I expect them to happen differently in my home. But do we expect that? Or are we chalking the world up as gone to hell? Because I promise you, it has not gone to hell. There is a Savior who has risen from the dead and He has conquered the enemy. And church, we are not powerless. We have the most powerful, living, creative force living within us in the Holy Spirit. And there, it's time for us to start believing that God is who He says He is. And because of who He is, we are who we are. We are His children. I do not accept that any neighborhood or any people group or any nation is hopeless because I believe that the enemy is defeated. After Jesus healed this guy, he didn't allow the man to join him on the journey. At first glance, and you read it, you're like, why would he not allow him to go? I mean, if anyone's going to train you for ministry, shouldn't it be the Son of God himself? But look at with me again in chapter 5, verse 18. So as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed, that's past tense now, who had been possessed with demons, begged him, begged him that he might be with him. Jesus, please let me go with you. I want to be with you. Look what you've done for me. I want to be with you. And in verse 19, and Jesus did not permit him. He said no. But then he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and he did as the Lord said. He began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. You see, Jesus healed this man and then he commissioned him to go to his people and to tell them how much God had done for him and how much mercy he had shown him. The Decapolis was this area of ten towns or ten cities. And before Paul ever coined the phrase, remember this was not a Jewish person that he was reaching, a Jewish area. This was a Gentile region. Before Paul ever coined the phrase of becoming the apostle to the Gentiles, I believe we might see the first apostle unofficially to the Gentiles. As God expands the gospel just like he said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. This gospel is a new thing. And it doesn't fit into the old system. It goes above and beyond. And it is changing what people think about God. This man was changed and he was commissioned. And people marveled at what God has done because they knew this guy. They marveled at what God did for him. This man was an outcast. But God's love wasn't just for His chosen people, Israel. His love was for the whole world. And He didn't come to just save Israel, but He came to save the entire world through Israel's Messiah. He came to save all the world, Israel and all the world, through Jesus of Nazareth. 
So God's message of hope and healing through Jesus is for you. It's for me. It's for the Woodside Houses. It's for Astoria. It's for Queens. It's for the Bronx. It's for New York City. It's for the United States. It's for North America. It's for the entire world. The good news is the world's good news. So I want you to be empowered today to love loud, knowing that the enemy is already defeated. I want you to be empowered in knowing that God will going, it will free you from your personal enemies if you will call out upon Him. He will deliver you. And I want you to know and be empowered that God will commission you. It doesn't matter what your past is, but God will commission you to go and to share what He has done for you and the mercy that He has shown you And He will cause people to marvel at His wonderful works if you will simply obey Him and trust Him. Be empowered to love loud and know that the enemy is defeated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You now and we simply stand in awe of the fact that You are powerful enough to to release this oppressed and possessed man from his enemies. To release him from the demon possession that, that he was suffering from. You are powerful enough to do this, God, and we fall short of trusting in your power. We fall short too often in focusing on the physical things that are going on around us and all the, the bad news that is happening in the media, and we forget the good news that Jesus died and rose again. And that because of what He has done for all those who have their faith in Christ, we too can live by that early Christian creed. Jesus died and rose again. And Father, we will know that if our faith is in Him, God, even though we will die one day, we too will rise again in a glorious resurrection. And we will see in its entirety this world to be transformed and become as it was in the beginning abounding in your goodness and your power and your peace and seeing everything restored as it once was. Father, help us to live not believing the lies of the world, but help us to live empowered, knowing that you have already defeated the enemy. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now that we have heard the word of God spoken and exposed for the truth that is contained within it, we have the opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit. And tonight I assume that uh, as Daniel was reading this scripture, that the people around this demon-possessed man had come to expect certain things from this man. They expected him to break chains that he was put in. They expected him to go wild and crazy. They expected lewd behavior. But when Jesus stepped in and transformed his life, everything changed. And so just as Daniel shares the story about the Woodside houses and that person who said, what do you expect in the projects? I expect something different because the love of God is working in those projects, just like it's working in your heart and in your life and in the man who is demon-possessed. I expect that there's a church whom God has placed in those projects just a few months earlier. We'll have the opportunity tomorrow to reach out to leaders 
in that community and say, how can we help this 50-year-old man's family who's just been shot dead over the weekend? And I expect that we get to stand before you next week and say, here's what we can do, church. This man's family can use our help. What about expecting different things from the projects? What about expecting different things from your neighbors and your landlords? Knowing that the love of God is working to transform the culture around you through the Holy Spirit's anointing over you. So tonight, the time of response is very simple. I want to invite you to stand up from where you are, to come forward. We're going to have four people ready to pray with you. Two at the back and two at the front. And I want to ask you to to have a prayer of challenge over your life. That God would challenge you to expect different things from the work of God in your life. That maybe you, like I often do, have fallen into expecting normal things to happen. I heard a really cool um, quote the other day. There's a man preaching and he said, things that are awkward here on earth are normal in heaven. And things that are normal here on earth are awkward in heaven. In other words, God has called us to do awkward or he may even say amazing things. And people around here think they're amazing and and miraculous even. And in heaven where your citizenship is hidden with God in Christ, these are normal everyday things. But the reverse is when we just do normal everyday activities by our own power, that's weird or awkward to heaven, the place where we are called to live, to have citizenship. So tonight, be challenged. Myself or Winter, John or Lindsay would love to pray over you if that's something you'd like to do. Be challenged to expect great things to be done in and through you in your neighborhoods and around this city. So come and receive prayer from one of us or come and pray on your own up here on these pads respond as God is urging you to in your spirit right now. Let's pray. And then as we stand and sing in a moment, you respond. Thank you, God, for your living, active word. Thank you that we can sit and hear your word broken down and that these accounts of what your son has done become vivid lessons how we are called to live. Teach us and challenge us to live extraordinary lives by the power of the Spirit. That we would grow weary of living ordinary lives, efforting in vain of our own accord, striving after the wind. Make us tired of those. Make them boring to us. Give us a passion for the extraordinary life you are calling us to live and by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing and you respond as God has called you.